<laughs> Praise the Lord, amen? Man, we keep singing this crazy stuff, man. I mean, it's a really good tune. It all has some really good vibe. It pounds, man, and it just plays. There's great harmony. But when we check out these things that we're saying, that there's this anchor for our soul. And we just shout out right now that, that, that your, your word is, un, is, is, is unfailing and your promise is unchanging, man. Do you believe that? Yeah. All right, I've got eight people here this morning that just totally are tracking. Yes. <laughs> The rest of us like, oh, keep an eye on those guys. Praise the Lord. Amen. Welcome to the church. Amen. Well, all right. So um, uh, praise the Lord. We're in the the middle of this little three-part series that is a part of three mini-series. This is a part of this whole thing that we're trying to do, man. And uh, it's kind of crazy. But uh, we're, we're in this little series called The Simple Gospel. It's a simple gospel, all right, and and uh, and 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 we we know that the gospel has just these three main parts, all right, these three major parts in it that that we that we have to challenge ourselves and ask ourselves if we truly believe this, all right, and 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 you know, Pastor Chad shared uh, an amazing part last week, right, the beginning of the beginning. It was just, I think he did a fabulous job, all right. Am I the only one? Come on, man, he did insane, all right. Um, the beginning of the beginning, and this week we're, we're talking about the middle of the beginning, and next week we're talking about, you know, the end of the beginning, because we're just in the beginning, man, when it comes down to it, all right? And so we're, we're talking about the gospel, the simple gospel, and, uh, and, and, and I love how, how Chad, uh, he began and left us with last week, was that, you know, the gospel simply means, um, you know, good news. That's what it means. The gospel is, it means the good news, all right, and, and, and he shared this line, and it just, it, just, it, just, it just caught us through the rest of this series. We can't grasp how good the good news is until we know how bad we need some good news. Amen? <laughs> we cannot grasp how good. We hear that all the time. The gospel is good news. This is good news. Yeah, this is good news. But if we don't know how bad we need some good news, then how good is the news, right? We don't know how bad it is. So, so we need to know. I love you. We cannot grasp how good the good news is until we know how bad we need it, how bad we need some good news, right? I was tripping um, the other day, right? It's kind of, you know, uh, that, you know, that's slang for like, you know, thinking a lot. Um, somebody thinking, man, what's the matter with you? Why are you tripping so much? You know, I'm falling all over the place. Um, I was just thinking a lot and, uh, and you know, you, you, you know, on just the world, right? And, and just events, that has just been going on over this past year, and even if you reflect back for quite a few years now, but but even more intensely this last year and this year, and I'm not going to rehash all that stuff, all right? But but there's just a lot, man, and it's hard. And the, today, these days, man, if you are a child that lives in this world, if a man or woman that lives in this world, it is hard not to consider some of the things that are going around us, that are going on around us, right? You can't get alone with your thoughts. And not start thinking about, you know, hmm, I wonder what the heck's going to happen, right? You know, how's this all going to play out, right? You know, and, you know, when I'm sitting there looking and thinking with God, I mean, I'm thinking, okay, you know, you know I'm thinking like, you know, how, how should I be thinking about these things that are taking place, Lord? Right? How should I be thinking about this stuff, man? You know, um, you know what should I be doing right now, right? Should I be doing something? Because you look around, you feel like, I, gotta, I should be doing something. Right? 
You know, like, how should I be thinking about this stuff? All right, what is my filter of thought? You know what I mean? As I think about the things and the events that are taking place across the planet. And, you know, and what should I be doing about that? And where do I even start? And those questions have been kind of like just challenging me for a while now. And last, I think it was last week or the week before, I think it was two weeks ago. I'm asking those questions kind of intensely in, in prayer. I'm asking God, lead me to your word, man. Just open up your word. Just kind of just kind of give me like, you know, sometimes you ever open up the word of God and hope it's going to be like a horoscope. You know what I mean? Here's your thing, you know, for this week. Here you go. Boom. This is all you, man. You know what I mean? And, and I think it's a real, real raunchy way to approach the word of God, first of all. All right. Um, but, 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 you know, I catch myself doing that sometimes, man. And I, and I open up the word and, and, and the daily word he, he gave me that day, it went back to Genesis. He, it was, it was, it was like my, my daily prescribed reading for that day was Genesis chapter one, verses one through 15. All right. And I was like, wait a second. I know this story. This isn't helpful <laughs> right now. Right. Give me some, I should, shouldn't you be taking me to like revelation or something? Right. You know what I mean? Should I be reading something like, you know, this is like the end times. Should I be reading something like this? And, and he was like, no, this is exactly where I want you. And so I went ahead and challenged it, man. I went to the, to the word of God. And in Genesis chapter one, all I had to read was the first verse. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then I was like, oh yeah. Yeah, this is all yours, right? <laughs> yeah, you made, you're still in control. You created this whole shooting match, man. You made the whole thing for your glory, and I looked at that verse and I go, you know what? He's got this. And we've said that before, right? He's got this. God's got this. But somewhere inside, we're kind of wondering, does he really got this? Right? And I think that we wonder that. I think that we trip on that. I think that we challenge that because we're not quite sure if he really got me. And that's not proper English, but... <laughs> You know what I'm talking about, right? And I think, you know, God, God, you got this, but do you got me? And that's where the challenge is, man. Do you got me? Do I, do I, do, do I completely have him? I love where Pastor Chad led us last week, man. He, he went back to this garden and, God, and he shared how God created a, a garden, right? And he put us in the middle of it and we pushed our way out of it right? We pushed our way out of it. And we pushed our way away from a God who, who, who loves us, who created us to love us. We pushed our way out. And ever since then, we've been trying to push our way back in, right? And you see, God created a way. He provided a way back to himself, all right? And maybe not back to that garden, but to this new, this new place. We created a way back to him. He provided a way, and, and for many of us, it's not good enough. And so what we do is we blame him for not doing his job, and then we try to take over his job, all right? We just try to become God in our, and create our own gardens, which is lame, all right, because in comparison to his garden, our garden is like, wait a second, right? And we, 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 we try to become God and we try to create our gardens. And some of us do kind of a good job, 
at creating, you know, uh, little spaces and good spaces on this, on this huge planet in this huge universe. We create these little tiny little spaces, right? And they're pretty good, all right? And we just try to avoid the mess that's taking place in the world if we can just kind of kick it in this garden that we created because we feel pretty safe here and it's pretty comfortable. The problem is we're turning our back on a world that needs us. And you see, we, we weren't created to turn our back on the world. We were created to change it to make it better. The world's a mess, man, and, and we weren't created to turn our back on it. Here's what we know, and you know this. We know that the world needs Jesus Christ. We know the world needs Jesus Christ. We know this, man, and we will be all about that, and, we're, and we, we, we will affirm that and agree with that till the day he comes back. But but I got a question for you, all right? Because we know the world needs Jesus. And so in, in effect, the world needs the church, amen? Right? But are you the church? Are you the church, man? Do you, you're like, okay, how can I know if I'm the church? I'm just going to give you see, three simple things, all right? And we're going to be going over these three things in these next three series, all right? This one here, the gospel, the next one, casting down your kings, and the one after that is set apart, all right? And, and there's a little mini series, but, but, but you, you can be challenged in this because how do I know if I'm the church, man? Do you believe the whole gospel? Do you not only believe it, but do you trust it? Do you trust the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ? You know, what, Pat, what, what Chad shared last week, what we're going to share today, and what we're going to share next week is huge. Do you trust, do you believe and trust the gospel, the whole gospel? Are you, and, and, then, and then number two, are you, ca are you casting down the kings in your life? Those things that we are creating or allowing to, 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 to get bigger than Jesus, to get bigger than God to actually assume lordship in our life? Are you casting down those kings and are you consistently pursuing holiness? Are you the church? You see, because that life right there, that life that, that believes and trusts the gospel, that casts down kings, that exalt himself above Christ and that, that are set apart and pursue Christ, all right? Lives that, that, that are different lives that make a difference in life, all right? And we'll get to that in a couple of few weeks. So those, those, those are the lives that, that, that'll make him known. You see, the world needs Jesus, but, but how will they know him if those who know him aren't making him known? We cannot be the people, man. Come on with me, man. We cannot be the people who just invite more people to church. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, we can't just be the people that say, okay, we're just going to invite you to church. You need to go to church. I mean, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But that cannot be all that we do. We cannot be the people that just invites other people to church. To, to church man, we, we, we got to be the people who invite other people into a life that is the church. Do you understand the difference, man? Amen. Yeah, you can give him something like that. We got to be the people that invite other people into a life that is the church. So I'll ask you again, are you the church?
our lives around you. Are they inspired by your love for Christ? And are they challenged by your trust in Jesus Christ? Or here's a glaring question, man. I'll put it up there. Are you a believer who has no idea what it means to be a follower? Are you a Christian who just knows just too much? <laughs> Do you just know too much? Because I've shared this before, man. Inspiration, all right, that does not lead to transformation becomes, just becomes more information. And I think there are just too many Christians walking around filled with information and that are not transformed and are not inspiring others to, be tra- to live transformed lives. All right, we, 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 we walk around, we just know too much. Man. We're consuming study after study after sermon after sermon and Bible study after Bible study and group after group. And man, I know a lot in my own backyard. So I want to share our story again this morning. I want to share our story once again. Last week, We talked about the beginning of the beginning. This week, I want to talk about the middle of the beginning. And next week, we're going to talk about the end of the beginning. Because like I said, this is just the beginning, man. If you think this life is all there is to life, we're really, really mistaken. This is all just the beginning. And so we need the middle of the beginning. And the middle of the beginning is the center of the universe. It's the center of all time and space. It is the cross of Christ and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is an event that took place over the period of three days. All right? And that changed everything, that, that fulfilled the promise that, 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 that Chad alluded to last week that took place in the garden with Adam and with Eve when God gave that first, that first gospel, that first good news when he said that, that, he, that the serpent you will, will bruise the heel of God, but God will crush his head. It's crazy because uh, we were praying this morning and it just, I was, we were praying and I just thought, you know what? It is so awesome that the cross is not a victory of the enemy, but actually became a victory of Christ and our victory as well. See, the enemy thought that the cross was going to be his victory. Done. Got it. Jesus is now, watch this, homie. Get that stone out of the way. Woo-hoo. What's happening, y'all? You know what I mean? You know, praise the Lord. Amen. And that's what I want to share this morning. And I want you to challenge, I want to challenge you to two questions, all right? As I share this story, I'm just going to read a lot of scripture, because I think it's just time that we just did that, all right? I'm not going to share a lot of stories and stuff like that. I just want you to follow along this story, because this is the most important story on the planet. There's no other story that is more important than what we're going to talk about this morning. And so I want to challenge you as we, as we share this story to two questions. Number one, how is this story constantly changing your life? All right, you might want to write that down. Go ahead and pull out your phone, text a note to self. All right, I'll wait. 
How is this story constantly changing your life? I'm going to pretend I'm writing it down so I know how long it takes. How do you spell constantly? Okay. There it is. Gave you time. Did that work? Did it help? All right, good. I'm not going to write the next one down because that took way too long. All right? The second question I want to challenge you with, and it's an easy one to remember, how is this story lovingly and, and, and challenge, loving, loving and, okay, my bad. I have it written down wrong. How is this story loving? Oh, there it is. I just don't have my glasses. How is this story loving and challenging the lives around you? I'm going to share the story. How is it constantly changing your life? You see, the gospel isn't just a one-time story. Right? It's not just one thing that's kind of, okay, I got it. Boom, locked away. What's next? No, that is what's next. The gospel is what was before. It is what's now, and it is what's next. How is this story continually, constantly changing and regenerating your life? And how is it constantly loving and challenging lives around you? This is important. Amen? And so, Father, we praise you. And we pray in the name of Christ Jesus. Father, we've, we need a lifetime to talk about what we're talking about right now. And we're so help us to take that lifetime and be intentional about doing it. Guide us through your word for your glory in the name of Jesus Christ. May not one man or woman who is watching or is here experiencing this message, let not one of us walk away unchanged for your glory, transformed for your glory, ready to change the world in Jesus' name, amen. In the beginning, John chapter one, verse one, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God, okay? That can be a little confusing in itself. In the beginning was the word. At the very beginning of time, at the very beginning of our space, at the very beginning of our planet, at our very beginning of humankind, Jesus was already there. He didn't come along later, all right? It wasn't like, I think I'm gonna have a kid. You know what I mean? Jesus was already there. That's how we can say that God came flesh. And we'll talk about that in a second. Jesus was there with God. Jesus was there and was God. And it says this, he was in the beginning with God because he was God and he was with God and all things were, that all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. And so the story of the cross leads us to the beginning and the initiation of our story as mankind, as our story of a planet. He says, he was there and everything that was made was made through Jesus. He was the word that was spoken when God said, let there be light, all right? The word that was spoken was Christ. Right? And he was, and then when he said, let there be this and let there be that and all that, it was, it was through Christ. It was through the word. And then John chapter one, verse 14 says, and the word became flesh 
and dwelt among us. The word, God who was in the beginning was the word, right? And then the word was with God and the word was God. And then the word became flesh like us, became a human being. All right. And people say, well, what the heck's going on there? You know, I'm challenged by the ants. All right. All right. There's, there's like, say you're, you're in, you're, you're in, in, in Tucson where they have these weird riverbeds that have no water in them. All right. And so you're there and you see an anthill and you see all these ants and you're just admiring them and they're just amazing. And they're just having a blast on how they're, how they're just creating and, and fixing and all in the line, bringing the food and stuff like that. But all of a sudden you get an alert on your phone, a storm's coming and you know, this wash is actually getting ready to be filled with water and you want to tell the ants get out of here it's there's water it's gonna flood get out of here and they ain't even looking at you and you're go 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 back into their line you can't communicate to ants like that because they ain't trying to hear it what's the best next best thing if you could become an ant all right this is a stupid analogy and now i'm thinking about it all right if you could become an ant and get down there and say hey guys we got to get out of here because there's water maybe just maybe they might listen all right i know it was really stupid so anyways <laughs> and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the whole only son from the father full of grace and full of truth and we cannot just pass that by full of grace and full of truth because we've been to I've been to, 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 to I've seen I've been around Christians they're just full of grace and there's no truth everything's okay man it's all right it's all right, man. We're totally loved, which is true. But we're loved enough to be confronted with the truth. I've seen other Christians that are just pure truth, and there's no grace. There's no, you don't feel loved. Everybody's just telling me what's wrong with me when there needs to be a balance of grace and truth. And, and Jesus came filled with both. And so his church needs to be filled with both. Amen? Grace and truth. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, and it's crazy because there was this guy, John, all right, all right, who was baptized. And look at it, Mark chapter 4, 1 verse 4. It says, John, all right, the, 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 the baptizer appeared and he was baptizing in the wilderness. This is right before Jesus came out and made, made, made the scene, before people started recognizing that, that God actually was, was here among us and that, and that God was actually getting ready to, to do something that he said he has, he, that he's been saying he's going to do since the beginning of our time when he told Adam and Eve, you know, that crush his heel, you know, and all that and stuff, and, and crush his head, all right? Stuff and, and kind of shared that he was going to provide a way back to him, you know, because again, we've been trying to create our own way back and it's just not working. And he says, look at here's that way. I'm providing that way. And John appeared kind of preparing the way for those to come and see Jesus. And he, he did this. Look what he says. John appeared uh, baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Hey, he says, look, I want to give everybody an opportunity, an outlet to recognize and to and admit and confess, all right, what you've been bottling up inside your whole life. All right, and check it out. It says, 
Look at, at this time, Jesus is just actually right around the corner and he's coming. And at this time, it says all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were coming out to John, all right? And were being baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. It's crazy how it says everybody just took advantage of this. You see, because it's in our nature as human beings, man, to try to find some kind of help with everything, all of this stuff, all the stuff that we're creating that we know we shouldn't be creating, all the stuff that we're allowing that we know we should not be allowing, and even the stuff that we've been exposed to and we didn't even ask to be exposed to it, even things that have been forced upon us that we know we're invited to be forced upon us. We have all this stuff and we need to get it out. And it is, like I said, in human nature, all right, mankind, all right, to try to find that. And that's why you see people that are just, that'll rush to this or that are just totally hardened up. Nope, nothing's getting out because I've created this wall, all right, that is actually going to come crumbling down anyways. And all these people came out for confession. And a lot of us, man, and, and, you know, think that that's all we need. It's all we need is just, just confess some sins, man, just kind of deal with this stuff, all right, and we're good. Just get this stuff off our chest. And John said, no, man, there's more. There's more, man, and you, and you, and you need to know that there's more. See, we, we, and we all know that there's more. But so many times we just are settled for the good enough. I, at least I talked about it. No, that's just, that's just the start. At least I got it off my chest. That's just the start. We all know that, that we fall short in this life, but I don't know that we all know how short we fall of pursuing the answer of why we fall short. I don't know if we all know how short we fall in pursuing answers as to why we fall short. The sin that overtakes our life. And so, so many of us will come, right? And we'll, and we'll come to this water and, and, and we'll be baptized just like this. Confession of sin, boom, we're done. I'm good, okay? Next, let's move on. What's happening? But John said, this is not going to be enough. He, he went on to say, you know what? And he preached this in verse seven. He says, after me, after this baptism, all right, uh, he who is mightier than I, the one whose sandal straps, I'm not worthy to stoop down and untie. He says, he's coming. And, and I baptized you with this water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit of God. A baptism that will transform your life if you allow it. If you allow it. This is a world-changing thing, man. Doesn't it freak you out? It freaks me out. And then, he, and then Jesus shows up. Look at where, where John 1, 29 says this. The next day he saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And we recognize that's what we need. Something to remove my sin I don't need to just confess my sin. I need something that's going to save me from my sin. 
all right? He says, who ta- the lamb of God, the one who's going to sacrifice, who's going to pay the, the debt that you can't pay. He's going to pay the debt that he don't even owe, all right? He's coming to take it away. This is, this is who and what we need. We need Jesus to come and take it away. You see, our sin, our sin, man, we didn't want to throw it away, right? We didn't want to just throw it away. And when it, uh, we, we, we didn't want to, okay, let me put this right. We didn't just want to give our sin away, all right? We wanted to keep it. We didn't want to give it away. But when our sin started to carry us away, we realized that we couldn't even throw it away. You get that? Oh, our sin just consumes us. I'm just going to call, not our mistakes, all right? You don't save money to make a mistake, all right? You don't, you don't adjust your time and go and make appointments to, to, to make a mistake, all right? You don't travel across town to make a mistake, all right? This is sin. Let's, we got to call it like it is. And when, and when we're challenged to, to, to reveal this sin and just give it away, we don't want to give it away. But for some of us, we realize that sin, that sin is starting to carry us away. And some is more blatant than others, but there's this sin that is carrying, sin will carry every one of you away. And sometimes it'll be quite subtle your whole life. And then when you recognize it, you recognize it. You can't just give it away anymore and you can't even throw it away because it seems like it's actually here to stay. But Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, came to take it away. Woo, praise the Lord, amen. He came to take it away. How? How is he going to do that, man? How did he do that? It was even prophesied 700 years before this, six or 700 years before this. Isaiah the prophet, he said it like this. He said, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. We looked at him and thought, yeah, this guy's just, he's just, he's just stricken and smitten by God and he's totally afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was, he, he took our sin. <clears throat> All right. This is not, this is not like, hmm, I wonder if this is true. This is a, this is a historically proven event. I want to tell you about a quick event that took place. Not something that we, whoa, I hope that really did happen. No, it is, it is, it is in the annals of history, not just Christian history, all right, but, but Jewish history, Roman history, and continual history, different, different historians. That's how people do, right? They see something happen, they write it down. See something happen, write it down. Recognize. It was front page news at the beginning, at the, at the beginning of, of, of our new era of time, all right? It was front page news at the time that it took place. And, and then from then on, for about another 100 years, it was front page news and has continued now to remain front page news 2,000 years later. That there was this dude named Jesus who did miracles that were witnessed by a lot of people. They saw it. Many of them experienced it and told about it. 
who, who, was, who, was, who, was, who, was, who was arrested by his own people, gone through three uh, Jewish trials and beat down each one, and then through three Roman trials, because they, the, they were the world, they were the world you know, leader at that time, all right? And then beat down, beat down to the point of death, right before death. And then was, well, you couldn't walk at this time in history from, from anywhere along any of the Roman roads, all right, at that time and not see it littered with crosses of criminals that have, been, that have just been hung up there as warnings uh, from the Roman Empire. It was a big deal. It really happened. And Jesus Christ was also placed on this cross with, with you know, just throw him in with these other guys we're executing. It is an event that took place. And then, and then the fact that, that he died on the cross because people would stay on those crosses for days, all right? They'd push up so they could breathe because they'd literally be drowning in their own fluids just like that hung up there, hung, first of all, by nails through your flesh and bone, hung up there. This is a really thing. And they, and they, they pushed themselves up, which was why they would break the legs of the criminals. It was kind of a mercy killing, break their legs so they just suffocate and die. But Jesus, before they could get to his legs, he had already died after one day. They shoved a spear through his side. Blood and water poured out. He was dead. They took him down from the cross. And there was a, a, a dude who was well off. He was a wealthy man. His name was Joseph of Arimathea. All right, him and another cat named Nicodemus. All right, it's, they, took, they, they helped prepare a tomb. Normally, people didn't really have these, these big you know, caves that we own that, that had like a, a huge stone that was kind of up on an incline, all right? And there was a little bit of a divot right there and another incline on that side, all right? You pulled it back. It took usually by about, you know, close to eight to 10 men to move this stone because they didn't want anybody robbing these rich graves, these rich people's graves because they bury them with stuff, all right? Plus they didn't want animals to get in there and just take, you know, advantage of the bodies. Well, this guy says he can use my graves. He loved Jesus. He said, you can, you can use my family's grave and they put him in there. Right? They prepared his body, they put him in there, and they just rolled, boom, dropped the stone into the locking system. All right? But then there was also something else. The Roman, guard, the Roman Empire says, we don't want anybody coming around and just taking this body and just saying, that, you know, saying something crazy. All right? So they took this signet string all right, where they would wax it on this side, string across the, 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 the boulder, all right? and, then, and then put a Roman stamp on this side. And if you touch that, the penalty is death. They also placed Roman guards... Anywhere from four to 16 guards, they would praise. Four is enough. These guys were ninjas, all right? Four dudes, they were cage fighters. They were hardcore, right? And they put these guys out in front of the, in front of the, in front of the, the grave so nobody can mess with it. This, this is an event, man, that took place. And it didn't end there. The history leads us to there. And there's a history, proven history, not just Christian history, but just world history that leads us from there. Because here's what he said. He says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the chastisement, all right, that he, he, upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. By his wounds, we're healed. He was the perfect, he was God in the flesh, all right? He came, he was the perfect sacrifice. He, the sin, the God was a God, a just God, and his, our sin demanded a payment, all right? It demands a payment because, because of sin, there is death. Sin brings death into the world. We pushed our way out of the garden and everything after that had a shelf life. 
God says, in my justice, I demand a payment, but in my mercy, I'm going to withhold the payment until my son comes to, in his grace, make the payment. Demanded a payment, held back the payment, and then paid the payment. And all of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Every one of us. And on him, the iniquity was laid, the iniquity of us all. After that, they took him down from the cross, right? And they buried him. And he was in that grave. Three days later, because it was the Sabbath, and you don't do work on the Sabbath, and there's this cultural thing back then. They had to wait three days, these young ladies, before they can go. And they wanted to go and say, okay, we want to do the proper burial that wasn't done on him before. All right, we want to go and just kind of anoint his body. We want to go and just have some, you know, just have this, this little thing for him. And on their way there, they're wondering who's going to move the stone for us because there's that big stone. And when they showed up there, they got there, man, and they recognized that stone, what is in, in it, it wasn't locked in its locking system. It was actually rolled back. And nobody was there. Another account says that the guards, when they saw what took place, because they were actually there when it actually happened, when he came out and, and the angels, you know, he was there. Right? They were there. And then they split, just scared, man. And they, they, first of all, fainted, you know, ninjas and pretty hardcore cage fighters fainting. Uh, you know what I mean? And then they got up. He's gone. Let's get out of here. And they went and said somebody stole the body. It's been a, it, was, it was an account for a long time. But so nobody was there. And these women, they show up there. And they actually go inside the tomb and they recognize his grave clothes still there, which is a thing in itself, man. And this is history, you guys. This is not just Christian history. This, is, this story was told in many other areas of the world at that time. And we still have the accounts. I don't have enough time to share about Lucius and Tacticus and Flavius Josephus and, you know, uh, just so many different guys that just kind of wrote about this stuff. He wasn't there. And then it says in the scriptures, let me just kind of, I had some more there, but I'm going to drop all the way down to um, verse four. In chapter Luke 24, verse four, it says, Why, while they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. Uh, it doesn't mean that they were just like, oh, you know, gee, oh, it just means th these, were, these were angels. And as they were frightened, they bowed their faces. These angels said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. And don't you remember how he told you while he was in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered in the hands of simple men and be crucified and on the third day rise? In Luke chapter 18, verses, verse 33, Jesus, after he told him, he says, look, at he said exactly that just not too long before this event. And he said this, he says, they're going to kill me. All right, and on the third day, he's going to rise. He says, don't you know, he's talking about the Son of Man himself. All right, and the third person was kind of weird, but he didn't, all right? After flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day, he will rise. He predicted his own death, and he also predicted that he would rise again, and he did. I got to ask you a question, though. Why is this such an easy story to agree with, but a hard one to trust? Why is this such an easy story for us to agree with? Because every one of us are going, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll clap about some of this stuff. Why is it so hard to trust? The biggest contradiction I see in Christian life today, 
is that so many of us claim a risen Savior, yet the lives, our lives don't prove what we believe. And that's the problem, man. And I got to ask you, are you devoted to a person who actually got up and rose again? Or are you just devoted to a cause? Are you devoted to a person who actually proclaimed his own death? Or are you just devoted to a cause? Do you know that 85% of Christians will never lead one person to Christ? And I ask myself, why? Today, it's, just, it's, just, it's, just, it's a statistic that has been over and over put to the test. 85% of us across the world will never lead one person to Jesus. Why? Are we devoted just to the cause? Are we actually devoted to a person who is alive and who is God? If we truly know him, then why won't we make him known? I believe, and I, I'm not just saying this to blow you guys up. I believe this is, that, that statistic doesn't hold true in this fellowship right here. Because I've seen a different, I've seen way more than 15% of people in this room right here and in the next service and online, people that have been engaging with, I've seen way more than 15% leading people to Christ. And I think it's because we know this fact right here. I have this little sign that's up in my office, right? Yeah, right? And, and it's just on a piece of paper. And I've had this for probably 25 years, 24 years. I don't know if I wrote this or somebody else wrote this. I've been looking for it. I can't find it. All right? Maybe it's out there somewhere. And so um, somebody probably smarter than me wrote this, and I've just been holding on to it. I share this. I'll put it up there. I said, we cannot know the depth of Jesus Christ's love unless we're willing to face the fact that he knows us completely. Otherwise, we're fooled into believing that he must love the people that we pretend to be and not the sinners that we actually are. We cannot know the depth of Jesus Christ's love unless we are willing to face the fact that he knows you and me completely. Otherwise, we're fooled into believing that he must love the people that we pretend to be. And we know that's a lie and not the sinners that we actually are. You see, that's good news. Amen. There's the gospel. That's the middle of the beginning. So I'll ask you one more time. Are you the church? Are you the church? Are you living right now the life that Jesus Christ died for you to live? Three questions I want to challenge you with this week. Question number one, do you believe and trust the gospel? Do you believe and trust the gospel? Question number two, how does your life prove it? Thank you.
And question number three, who will you share this gospel with this week? You got a name. Own it. Who will you share this gospel with this week? There's a card under your chair. I want you to write that name and hand it to the usher. Just kidding. (laughs) Just do it. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah.